Hi. Hello. Welcome to Murder, She Read, the true crime podcast where we read books, give each other dirty looks, and drink copious amounts of wine. I feel like my high was too enthusiastic. Okay, we can... can. Oh, no, no, we can keep going. (laughs) I just wanted to point that out. I'm not that happy ever. And certainly not now. No, definitely not now. But, you know, I am okay to be here. I would hope so. That is Amanda Fall telling you how overjoyed she is to be sitting in this room with me right now. And to my right is Victoria Campbell, who is always happy to have me. She's a liar. Anyway, Amanda, what is the book that we've decided to... Why do you keep asking me? You read it. That's a good point, because it's written down next to you. That's why. What are we reading? This week we're reading Wages of Sin by Susie Spencer which is about a crime that takes place in Austin, Texas. How exciting. Um, Let's just get this out of the way. I don't have a single piece of wine detective research. Well, that's not true. You have a few. Surprises. But as far as, like, actual research goes, I kind of failed in the wine detective department, which makes me really upset. I consider myself an expert in this. Um, I once managed to track down the mugshot of a boy who stood me up for a date knowing only his first name, his college major, and the city that we lived in. Um, it was a mugshot that was taken uh, the day that he was supposed to be picking me up. Is there... First said date. Uh, and I mean, this was a red flag, but I kept dating him. But anyways, I think the, the point is, I tried really, really hard. And there's just not a lot on the internet. Couldn't find a single news article. I don't know, maybe prove me wrong. Someone find it for me. It'll be too late. This podcast will be over. But you have so many surprises for us. I have so many good surprises, but they're just not research. Well, then let's get into what I read in the actual book, again, titled Wages of Sin by Susie Spencer. Um, This book opens with a man driving around Pace Bend Park in Austin, Texas with his young son. Um, This is a campground, and they're camping in the area and, I guess, sort of tootling around just to see what's around. Uh, the man sees what he thinks is a mannequin. Amanda, is it ever a mannequin? It's never a fucking mannequin. <laughs> it's not. Um, so the man contacts the park ranger because he saw hair on the mannequin's legs, and that was the tipping point for him to be like, oh shit, this is not a mannequin, it is a human body. Um, so the park ranger shows up, and he's a little wary of the call. Apparently people call in all the time saying, I found bones, it's a corpse. It's like 98% of the time a deer. This is the 2% where it's actually a human body. Um, And they shut down this camping area because it's now a crime scene. Uh, We learned that the victim has been very badly burnt. Both his head and his hands are missing. Uh, The author inserts, there's a lot of really good uh, quotes in here that I'll be sharing with y'all this eve. Um... So Susie Spencer describes what was left of the hands to be looking like barbecued pig's knuckles. Do pigs have knuckles? I don't know. I thought they just had a hoof. Is there a knuckle and a hoof? Google it. No, not Googling it. You're not an animal husbandry specialist this time around? Not this time around. But maybe next time. Um, So anyway, there's a lot of really uh, horrific quotes in the book that I'll be sharing with y'all as we progress. Um, So... The police release the description of the man's remains, and they're contacted by a young man's aunt, who also is a member of the Round Rock Police Force, which is a neighboring town to Austin. Um, And she's concerned that the body belongs to her nephew, Chris Hatton. Um, And police go to Chris's apartment to see what's up. Maybe he's just avoiding his aunt's calls, uh, but when they arrive... Oh, for sure. He's me, hibernating. (laughs) He's just drinking wine in bed with three cats. Yeah. 
Um, unfortunately, though, he's not you. Um, the police get to the apartment and they find a murder scene. There's blood all over the place. There are skull fragments in Chris's bed and on the headboard, um, which is pretty gruesome. But even more gruesome, um, the killer was clearly trying to erase the scene of the crime. So there's new paint, cleaner all over the place, but the killer has done a hideous job of trying to remove the scene of the crime to the point that they, or he, or she, or whomever, had tried to paint wet blood with white paint. You can't. No, like a, those two don't mix well. I mean, it might make pink paint. Is that too far? <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It's like primary color chart. <laughs> you're absolutely correct. My um, color. <laughs> another great descriptor that I'll share from the book um, was Susie states that the blood looked more like a large spilled can of Hawaiian punch. Does Hawaiian punch come in a can? The only way I can see it is one of those from like school lunches where you have to use the triangular can opener. It's so not like a paint can Costco size full of <laughs> Hawaiian punch, no? No, I don't think so. Maybe in a prison, I imagine that's the only time that would happen. I mean, yeah, I guess you have to have like Coke can size. I mean, you don't have to. You probably shouldn't. But you probably do. Yeah. We can fact check that one. Um, the other really nice example she states is um, there was blood splashed between, splashed, excuse me, the two white paints like spaghetti sauce between two slices of bread. Just spaghetti sauce? That's what I, that's what she said. Fine layer of spaghetti sauce on your white bread. Yeah, just a coating. And that's your sandwich. Yeah, she's a, a very modest woman. She likes a can of Hawaiian punch and a light spaghetti sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of concerns about these descriptors, but let's go on. All right, so, um, as I said, the crime scene is a mess, and it's evident to the police that the killer is going to try to come back to finish this process of cleaning up, because, again, there's all these cans of paint, we got the carpet cleaner, all this stuff that indicates that the killer is going to come back. Um, as the cops nose around, they find out that Chris Haddon has, or had, a roommate by the name of Will Busenberg, but he's nowhere to be seen, and all of his stuff is gone. The apartment's pretty empty. So we get a little background into Chris Haddon's life, um, about his tumultuous relationship with his parents, how he moved to Texas to live with his aunt and uncle. Again, we mentioned his aunt early on, since she was the one who was concerned that the body found at the park was Chris's. We learn about his ill-fated time in the Navy. Amanda, he was dishonorably discharged for a DUI. I mean, but he's young. Like, let's... Yeah, he's a baby boy. Um, and we learn about his relationship with his high school girlfriend, Lisa Pace, um, whom he had an on-again, off-again relationship. They were briefly engaged, and then they break up, and back into the fourth. Oh, you know what every 19-year-old idiot does. Yeah, and all 19-year-olds are idiots. It's an actual fact. And some 31-year-olds. Most 31-year-olds in this room. I would say so. I think a high percentage of 31-year-olds yeah. in this room are, in <laughs> fact, idiots. Um, so we got a little bit about their background, and we learned that after Hatton was dischar discharged from the Navy, he briefly lived with the high school girlfriend, Lisa, because they were engaged, um, but they broke up because she was smoking weed, and then he ended up moving in with this man, Will Busenberg. And Will has a girlfriend whom Chris hates and is very vocal about not liking her. Does she also smoke a weed? I'm sure. Oh, gosh. Judgmental. How dare she? I got a DUI, but don't you put that marijuana in there? Oh, that's a fucking deal breaker is what that <laughs> is. Um, and he also, um, perhaps marijuana use not included, but he's not a fan of her because she's a topless dancer and he 
doesn't like that she brings other tapless dancers around their apartment. Put your tits away. Also, I feel like most 19-year-old men would be like, yes, please, more tapless dancers in my apartment. Most 19-year-old men would just expect that anybody would take their top off around them, right? Yeah, I think so. It's been a minute since I've been around a 19-year-old boy. I think that's for the best. Ooh, definitely for the best. <laughs> but keep it that way. Um, so he is not a fan of this girlfriend. Uh, Chris's aunt comes in to identify the body, and it is Chris Hatton after all. And detectives, as I said, are staking out the apartment. They're waiting for the killer to come back to revisit the scene of the crime to finish that cleanup. Um, and lo and behold, Will and his girlfriend, whom Chris hated, show up. And they're taken down to the police station for questioning by the police. Shockingly, not a stray person. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. Um, Amanda. Yeah. Would you like to hear some really fine quotes about Will Biesenberg? Tell me... Every single one of them that you have. All right. I only have two, but they're good. Fine. List them off. <clears throat> um, straight from Stephanie's mouth. Since his first cry, he had longed for sweet love. Okay. Who's, who's she interviewing to get this information? You know, I think she's just uh, Making sort of it up? fumbling around. Yeah. And uh, deciding that he is just a lonesome child. And the other uh, prize gem she gives us is despite the fact that Will lapped at his mother's breast morning, noon, and night, he and Fran, his mother, never quite connected. Please stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> Remove all your descriptors from the book. Take them out of there. They seem unnecessary. They seem graphic in the wrong way. In the bad way. Also, you're, that's a very good question. Who said that he laughed at Fran's breast morning, noon, and night? I'm sure Fran didn't say that. I don't know. It's Who's old? Tell me more about Fran. Do we know anything? Uh, well, we know some things about his youth that I'll get into. Okay. Here, since you've uh, watched this. pushing you along. <laughs> you're speeding this shit up. Sorry, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> Um, so this lack of connection with his mom led to him being weird, is the term that Susie uses. I Maybe think. it's because he was lapping at her breast so often <laughs> is why he's fucking weird. It might have had something to do with it. Um, his parents divorced when he was young, and he fell in love with Jesus. Sorry, I can't get over it. I'm just imagining him like a dog. Just, just like full tongue. Full tongue. Just going for it. Well, that's uh, I gotta move on. language precision would be nice. Lap is a bad word for that. It's right? exactly what you described, yeah. Latched would be a different word. Thank you, Professor Campbell. I have a degree in writing. <laughs> um, so he, at a young age, um, his parents got divorced. He fell in love with Jesus Christ um, and developed this really weird moral superiority complex. How old is he here? Do we know? He's like 12. I love a moral superior 12-year-old. Yeah, I love They're to, my favorite kind. I like to be judged by pre-adolescence always. For sure. I hope that that happens to me daily. Actually, I'm sure it probably it does. does. <laughs> I know that that happens to me daily. Yeah. Um, so he's got this weird superiority complex. Um, again, his parents have divorced... And they're, they've both moved on. They're dating other people. They drink. They have normal lives. And he judges them. Oh, human things? Yeah, just like a normal day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. uh, he judges them so harshly, however, that he goes ahead and orphans himself. Listen, Will, you're 12. You don't <laughs> fucking understand. You need alcohol. It's necessary to get through this life and probably to have you as a fucking son. Yeah, because he's lapping at his mom's you nipples all the time. You seem like a piece of shit. Um, so he is so judgmental of them that he... Orphans himself. He orphans himself. He takes himself to a Baptist children's home. 
Now, is that technically running away? How does one orphan themselves? His parents had to sign papers for him to go in there, but he... Like a permission slip? Yeah, like a, a large one. I'm going on a extended <laughs> field trip. It's a life trip, thank you. Um, I can orphan myself. So he does that, and while he's at this particular home for children, he resorts to getting attention by feigning physical maladies. Oh, no, he doesn't seem like he needs attention all the time. That doesn't seem to be his personality. No, he's fine, Amanda. Um, and he stays there for a number of years before deciding that shit's not for him, and he goes back to live at his dad. Well, what did he think it was going to be? He I think he just, just thought, like, coddle, 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 lap, lap, lap. Just aggressively watching Annie on repeat waiting for Daddy Warbucks? Yes, he said, when can I wash that dog in the bath? And where <laughs> is my I red dress? <laughs> they washed the dog in the bathtub at the mansion. How often did you watch that movie? Here's a fun fact. Did you also try to orphan yourself, <laughs> Victoria? Is this how you tell me those aren't your parents? How dare you? I would never. Um, all right, so after he goes back to living with his dad, he attends high school in Round Rock, where, conveniently, Chris Hatton also attends high school. Mm. Um, Will would claim Chris as one of his best friends, although Chris certainly didn't feel the same way about I know Will. that feeling. <laughs> Is it this? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, Will wore shirts with Jesus on them, um, but conveniently was also a huge racist piece of shit and loved the KKK. Ooh, I don't like that. Nope. Um, and then eventually he graduated from high school in Montana. He had moved out there for a spell with his older sister because he's still having weird familial issues um, before he joined the Army National Guard. And he gets back out of the National Guard, and he comes back to Texas, where he gets a job, Amanda, as a knee polisher. What do you think that means? The, a knee polisher? Mm -hmm. What do you see when I say knee polisher? I see him on his knees, rolling up the slacks of an old man, and just, like, shoe polishing some rusty kneecaps. The old man has metal kneecaps. No, I just think that's what old people's <laughs> knees are. Oh, just metal. Skin. It's oh. just rusty skin. Oh, I right? see. Right? Maybe. We could ask. I don't know. Um, I see it more to take it back to the teat lapping. I see him doing it with his tongue. Always. Knee polishing. <laughs> just lapping at a knee? Yeah. It is, I imagine it is actually a metal knee, right? Um, but yeah, it's at an orthopedics, it's, so it's a prosthetic knee. Knee replacement? Fine. He's still doing it with his mouth. Um, he definitely is, and I'll tell you why I think that, because he was making eight thirteen an hour in 1994, which, which is thirteen ninety in today's money. Shit, that's not bad. I think that's more than I make. That's for sure more than you make. <laughs> we should probably pay our teachers more. Um, so he's making a little bit of money, and again, he runs into Chris Hatton just around Round Rock, and they pal around, um... Will says he's looking for a roommate, and Chris says he's looking for the same because Chris has moved out with his high school girlfriend, and they move in together on Labor Day. And 13 days later, Will goes out and buys a Winchester 12-gauge shotgun. Well, I mean, it's Texas. It is Texas, but also, since that gun will come into play later, um, 13 days is pretty fast to get sick of someone whom you haven't seen in years. Well, I mean... It 
do we know that he bought it with those intentions, or did he just buy a shotgun because it's Texas and he's of age now? It might just be the latter. I think you it's legal you have to own a gun in Texas, right? I don't know. I was just born there. It's three guns. Three guns? Mm-hmm. That's too many. Yep, one in each pocket and then one down the back of your pants. I prefer zero. Well, you can't have it in Texas, girl. Hmm. Um, so, again, police are staking out the apartment, waiting for the killer or killers to come back to finish up their miserable cleanup job. Um, and a man and a woman are seen entering, then exiting the apartment, and as I said earlier, the police... I imagine they just had, like, tubs of mayo that they were then going to use to try to make it whiter. (laughs) (laughs) No? Maybe a tartar sauce? cleanup job, the second attempt, couldn't have been better than the first. Well, now you've ruined something I was going to save for later, but I'll just say, um... They came with mayo? (laughs) It wasn't mayo, but another party in this narrative tried to clean all the blood up by pouring beer on the carpet. How does that... Did they think it was going to be like, we just had a kegger. (laughs) The keg was full of Hawaiian punch. (laughs) The keg was full of blood. (laughs) It was a weird party. Can't you smell that beer? Um, So the cops have taken Will and his girlfriends down to the police station. Um... And they're questioning them separately. We learned at this point that Will's girlfriend is named Stephanie Lynn Martin. Hi, Stephanie. And Amanda, what do we know about her that we've already learned? Well, we know she's a stripper. And what I know from every description that I found of her is that she's a Baptist stripper. She, yeah, she loves Jesus. That's it. That's all I got. That was all I could find about her. That's some good information. Um, We'll get into a little bit more about Stephanie as we progress. So right now, let's just stay. They're being questioned separately at the Austin police station, um, and pretty quickly Will admits that Stephanie shot Chris. Um, he claims... Oh, Will turns on his girlfriend real fast? Real quick. Weird. Um, he claims that Chris had stolen a check from him that was worth $5,700. The fuck was Will doing that he had $5,700? Licking a lot of knees. No, that's too many knees to lick. Uh, that actually translates to $10,000 in today's There's no way licking. Will ever had a check for 5700 He orphaned himself. His parents weren't giving him money. I think that's a valid point that this check never existed. But he had talked to Stephanie enough about it that she believed it existed. When Will talks to the cops, he tells them that it existed. I had a few boyfriends in my early 20s that uh, told some pretty wild lies. Oh. Enough times that it seems like maybe they believed it. Well, we've already established that 19-year-olds are idiots, so yeah, it makes sense. Real big dummies. Perhaps on both sides of the fence. Were you buying it? Uh, that's neither here nor there. Okay. Um, well, in this case of this lie, um, Will tells Stephanie enough about this check that she really believes it. So, uh, on the night in question, she goes to Will and Chris's apartment to recover the check or at least get some cash out of him. Um, but Stephanie claims that Chris was wasted and he tries to rape her. So she grabs the loaded shotgun that is in Chris's room and shoots him in the head. All right. I mean, I guess even if let's take a second, let's believe the story because I'm not here to say that a rape story is false automatically. I don't believe that for one second, but are we then covering it up with wet... Like, who just has white paint at their house? No one. Like, in who... It seems... I'm just saying I'm not buying it. And I, uh, I'm just not buying it. Well, let's keep going and see if you can be sold on this story or not. Hold on. Let's uh, refill and see if that helps what I'm willing to believe. 
All right, so she, Stephanie, goes back to her apartment after the shooting and tells Will what she did. And the two of them go back to the scene of the crime. Amanda, they very... Wait, so she's saying that Will didn't know. No, he had no idea. He wasn't with her. No, he was at home. Oh. At her apartment, excuse me. So she's saying, I went alone. To try to get this money back. Okay. Um, and then he tried to rape me and I shot him. And this is still, we're still in Will's story right now. So, um... The two of them go back to the scene of the crime and really gruesomely put Chris in the bathtub so his body will drain of all the blood. Seems pretty premeditated to me. Yeah, I would never think to do that. Well, hopefully you're not shooting me in the head first. I'm the only one in the room, so I imagine it's probably better. <laughs> uh, this isn't Texas, so I don't have any guns. Um, but so later they take his body to the park and pour gasoline on him. Stephanie saws off his hand so he can't be identified, and they torch his body. Nope, they've taken it too far to try to go with the story that they're giving. Yeah, the logical thing would just be to call the cops. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree. Not to saw off someone's fucking hands. Yeah, you've gone too far. So we learn a little bit more about Stephanie Lynn Martin, including her post-high school drug use, um, our author is really focused on this, and Amanda, she has this wonderful quote that I'd love to share with you. Of her drug use, she says, She slipped from one drug to another, like a girl hooked on Oreos, then on moon pies, and back again. Does Stephanie Spencer hate fat people? I think that we're getting a little tinge of a body shame over here. Also, why is, well, I mean, obviously everything's food-based, but do we have to link it to both drugs and to blood and to sawed-off hands? Yeah, you gotta keep it all in the, uh... You gotta have a theme, I guess. I don't know, I'm not a writer. Victoria, tell me. I would never write this. <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> you I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess what in this situation is an Oreo and what's a moon pie? Um, she doesn't specify? No, she just drops that in just there. Just as it escalates? I know all that right. one of them was acid. Okay. Do you think the moon pie is acid? You know, I hope. <laughs> I will say, okay, so I said I failed in my wine research. Part of it was that there is a Discovery ID um, episode that covers, like, maybe ten minutes of this. I fell asleep while I was watching it. Because you took a bunch of moon pies? I took a ton of moon pies, guys. Um, no, it was just really boring. But I did see the beginning of the episode, and Stephanie Spencer, not Stephanie, Susie, there you go. sorry, Susie, who's it, uh, was in the episode being interviewed, and when she's talking about Stephanie, one of her first introductions is this photo of Stephanie. She had to have been in high school, maybe like slightly after graduation. She looked very young. And she is in her bed in a full, like, pajama set like not scantily clad at all wait like a pant a full pant i think it was a full pant okay um and i think there's a poster of i'm gonna say johnny depp seems appropriately timed yeah. i don't know some boy star on her wall and she's not like facing at it but she's on her bed and she's leaning back and she's got her legs up and like kind of open and Susie uses that as like, well, clearly <laughs> she's been a whore from the beginning. Susie. Yeah, it seems a little bit shamey. It does. She hates food and she hates girlhood. Be cool. Like, let's not judge her because she's embraced her sexuality and wants to take her top off for money. I would for sure do it if anyone wanted it, but I don't think that's in my future. We're 31. 
We are 31. Things have changed. Yeah. A light, light drop. Anyway, um, so after her reference to these moon pies, Oreos, drugs use, whatever, um, Susie Spencer moves on to telling us about Stephanie's um, job at the Yellow Rose in Austin, where she works as a topless dancer. Uh, the Yellow Rose is still in Austin. You and I can go there right now if you want to get in a car and drive X number of hours. It's eight, and I don't, but I'm going <laughs> to put it on my bucket list, I guess. All right, put it in your to-do list. So while working at the Yellow Rose, Stephanie dates her uh, customers, and she dreams of being a model. And one night she meets Will, who claims... Amanda, to be a CIA agent. I'm sure I've made that claim drunkenly <laughs> one night. I think you could do it right now. Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to being a CIA agent, he also claims to own a 200-horse ranch in Montana, as well as a villa in France. How the fuck old is he? He's, uh, well, he lies to her about his age, too. He says he's 25. Listen, even if he's 25... He's not, he's 21. If anyone... He's 21. Yep. If anyone under the age of 30 tells you they have a villa in France and they are not a member of One Direction, don't fucking buy it. <laughs> Just don't buy it. It's not true. Um, yeah, and it will turn out not to be true. The other disconnect here is that... Fine. Even if he owns this horse ranch and this villa... Why he's the- for sure not in the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> that too, but he also lives in a shitbox apartment with a roommate. He's got a roommate. I don't know anything about anything, but I feel like the CIA pays more than a teacher. Yeah, they make more than thirteen ninety. I know it. I know it to be true. <laughs> it's um, got to be a fact, so you don't need a roommate. So regardless of these obvious lies, Stephanie is in love. Um, well, I'm, Stephanie's a big fucking dumb. <laughs> I hate to say it. I jumped on the judgy train real quick, but look, things changed. I mean, Amanda, she once went to his work at the knee polishing factory. Did he say it was undercover? No, he said that that's where the CIA kept all of their secret weapons. At the orthopedics production plant. Jesus Christ, he's not even trying. No, he's literally just giving her the I have bone. believed some dumb shit. I like to think that I wouldn't believe that. Um, would you like to hear my favorite obvious lie? Duh. Okay. So, um, this is my favorite story or anecdote within the entire narrative. So, one night, Will tells Stephanie that he has to go on a mission, and he's gone for two days. She's super worried about him. She calls him, she calls him, he doesn't answer. It's only two days. Chill out. She cannot be cool. So, she calls him one night, and he does answer. There's a lot of noise in the background. He's like, babe, I'm on a carrier plane. He's at a bar. Uh, <laughs> he's at the... <laughs> Yellow Rose. Kitty bar down the street. <laughs> he's got his other girlfriend. Um, but he calls her, and she's like, oh my god. And he's like, I'm safe. I'll, I'll see you soon. So that night at like two or three in the morning, he shows up at her friend's apartment where she's spending the night in full fucking costume. He has on a black beret. He has painted grease on his face. He's got on cargo pants and he is ready to lie. Is that what CIA agents wear? Definitely not. I think um, in even 94, they wore suits and maybe just chinos. Where did he say he was? Well, let me tell you. Um, he claimed that he was in Colombia. and oh, Colombia. <laughs> Colombia. Um, and that he had had to parachute into a drug lord's backyard and execute a bunch of naked people swimming in a pool. Why? Leave them alone. <laughs> they don't seem like they're doing any harm. We don't know the story. It's also it's literally fine. like a fish in a barrel. It's the worst. Also, did he parachute back into Texas? Why is he still in that regalia? That's a great question. 
She didn't ask herself that one. No, no, no. That was too much. Um, so he is lying constantly, but Stephanie is into it. She's like into the idea that her boyfriend. Well, she's on all those moon pies. <laughs> Every Oreo counts. Uh, but she she buys Aunt, it. Stop. <laughs> And she, you know, she tells her family about him. She introduces him to them, and at first... And they're like, yeah, for sure, the CIA agent who's clearly, like, 14. <laughs> you can't grow a beard. Cut um, it. Whatever it is. <laughs> wherever you were going with that, cut it. We'll take it at clearly 14. Um, yeah, I mean, they question it at first, and they're like, oh, this this kid's a fucking liar. And then they get to know him, and he's buying her all this fancy shit. And he is uh, acting pretty convincingly, and her family buys it too. Her friends, however, are like, Stephanie, he is lying to you. Yeah, believe your friends. Also, get new parents. Maybe Stephanie should have orphaned herself. (laughs) Sounds like her parents are also idiots. That's that forever field trip. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's never too late. So she does not orphan herself, however, and she's bringing him around her family. Amanda, would you like to hear what he got her for Christmas that really kicked her family over to believing that he was rich and in the CIA? You know, I'm frustrated, but yeah, let's do it. Okay, he got her a TV. Okay. A diamond and sapphire necklace. All right. And a dildo. Did they all go together? Yeah, everything's taped to the television. (laughs) Great. Was it one of those televisions that I had, like, way too late in life that weighs about 900 pounds? Yeah, it's, like, seven feet deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of, uh, someone left one of those in the house that I lived in in Charlottesville. When I had roommates and I moved into my first apartment, I clearly didn't own a TV because I was a garbage child with no money. And so I demanded that I get to take it, and it took me and four friends to carry it up the one flight of stairs. Yeah, they are it was so heavy. <laughs> and then when my stepdad moved me out of that apartment, it was the only thing left because I had moved everything else into the truck and I was like, I'm just going to leave it and take that they're going to like charge me. Bucks. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And he was like, no, I got this. I think he broke himself. Can he walk still? Barely. Oh, I thought so. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> Um, so she gets these gifts, her family's buying it, her friends are not. Um, so we're going to move forward a little bit. Um, detectives have heard the story from Will about what happened. So they go to search Stephanie's apartment where both Will and Stephanie were living together. And they They find find he doesn't have a government ID? (laughs) Shockingly, no, he does not. Um, but they do find, Amanda, a receipt for firewood purchased from a grocery days before the body was found. That seems pretty damning. Um, as well as a pawn receipt for some jewelry sold in Chris's name two days after his body was found. Don't think he can pawn anything when he's dead and has no hands. A ghost of Christmas future? That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so in addition to that, they also stole all of his credit cards and bought all new furniture, and they also bought... Stephanie a bunch of jewelry at K Jewelers um, because Chris had some store card there which I but guess you could do after... in the nineties. Well, yeah, you've got a you can do a credit card there, and I imagine that's probably what he bought that engagement ring with, right? Because he was fresh out of high school. Um, his girlfriend actually bought him the engagement ring. Well, that's confusing. Flip it. Um, she got him like a ring with diamonds on it. For him or for her? For him. Oh, see, I bought my own engagement ring, but it was for me. 
She went the other way. She put the diamond she wanted on his. You did it the right way. Yeah, that sounds better. Um, so, Stephanie's family hears the story that Will is telling and is not having it. They're like, this is our daughter. Uh, she would never do this. There's something going on. Uh, so this private investigator goes to see her in jail, and he leans on her Christian faith, and she recants her original version of the story, which is very similar to Will's. Okay, so her version was also that she went to get the check or the money, and that he tried to rape her, and she shot him. Yep, absolutely. Um, Now she says that Will shot Chris while she was sitting outside in the truck waiting for him, and they had gone over there with a specific purpose, Amanda, and that purpose was to actually drug Chris so that he would pass out and they could get the money back. With a moon pie or an Oreo. (laughs) It's actually a blender mashup of the two. Yeah. Bad news. Um, But they tried to drug him with sleeping pills. Okay. And they tried a couple of times before the shooting happened. Um, what were they going to do? Well, they did. They crushed up sleeping pills and then poured them in his gym beam. But what was the point of it? They wanted him to fall asleep so then they could go through all the shit. Oh, just wait till he's asleep. Yeah, I mean, that's the rational thing. People do go to sleep on their own. Not me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> full sleeping pill every night? Yeah, hello. We're going to have to talk after this. I'm fine. Um, So this was their original plan, and it doesn't end up working. Both times they try to put sleeping pills in his drink, he just doesn't go to sleep. He still sits around watching TV, talking to them, drinking his Jim Beam, and I imagine that they're just sitting there staring at him. I take half a Benadryl with no (laughs) substances, and I am out like a fucking rock. What is he made of? The Navy. Much like your husband. Yeah, yeah. Um, So she tells the cops the story, and so she admits to some wrongdoing. She admits to trying to attempt to drug him. Did she also admit to burning his body, cutting off his hands, and draining it of blood? Yeah, she says she did all of that. But she says that she's not the one who pulled the trigger. So she's just pulling accessory. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, So while this is going on, she's having this conversation with the police. Will confesses to another inmate that he did, in fact, shoot Chris. And the inmate is like, fuck yes, I'm going to get some time off my sentence if I tell the cops this. Well, yeah, I mean, it would make sense that they're going with Stephanie, because they feel like maybe even in Texas, they're going to be more lenient on the woman. Yeah, sure. And so, and also, I mean... And Chris is probably still pulling a CIA stuff. Well, <laughs> Whoa, Will, sorry. I've paid attention. Uh, Will's probably still pulling a CIA stuff of the government can't know. <laughs> You've got to take the blame, babe. I am just here for my country. Um, Where's my beret? But... Um, so this, he tells this inmate, um, the same story that Stephanie is basically telling, uh, the private investigator, um, but however, when the cops come back to Will with the story, he denies it, and he's fucking pissed at Stephanie for changing her story. Yeah, when you have an agreed-upon lie, when one person backs out of it, you both look bad. Yeah, everything's gonna go to shit. So what happens is that Stephanie takes two polygraphs concerning this new story. Amanda, what do you think happens? I don't know. She seems dumb enough that she passed them both. She passed one and proved deceptive on another. Mm. Um, and I don't really know like what the timeline is of this, but in 94, I feel like we probably did rely more heavily on polygraph. Oh, polygraph for sure. 94. Today. When was OJ? Was that 96? Around there. I mean, that's when we were going off of like hair follicles and fibers and whatever. I mean, that's what science was at that time. I don't know. I was 
six. You were busy. Seven. Yeah. Maybe. Learning your reading. Um, Probably also a CIA agent. <laughs> well, you've been that way since birth. Oh, clearly. Uh, since you were sprung from Anne's brain. Anyway, um, <laughs> so she, her story is questionable. Um, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So then Will changes his story again um, to rematch Stephanie's original. Um, but he says no rape happened. He okay. says that they concocted the rape detail while they were together in the cop car before they were taken to the police station. And so he says that what happened was that they went over there one night and Stephanie was like, I'm going to go get your money, babe. And she went in there and she shot Chris in the head. I think their stories don't matter because clearly there was something else happened because that check didn't exist. Mm-mm. The check never exists. For sure not. But it's interesting to try to figure out like who... Because both of them are fucking lying. Like, you don't know who originally planted the story about the check. I'm sure there was a motive. We might not ever know what it was. Um, So, well, something I will say um, is that detectives have been talking to everyone in Stephanie's life, obviously. And a lot of people say that she's obsessed with death and guns and she is involved in Satanism and she, like, is really interested in killing people. But are we just going with satanic panic? Yeah, it just seems like 94 cleave to this. I mean, that was, like, towards the end of it, but that was still full satanic panic. Yeah, it was happening. Although there's this... People thought Metallica was the worst thing (laughs) happening to the country. Well, they were. I'm gonna disagree. Oh, my. I mean, I'm not gonna die on that hill, but I don't think it's the worst thing that was happening to the country. It wasn't the best. I'll flip it that way. Um... All right, so everyone is saying that she was into guns and killing people, and as she was telling people that her boyfriend worked for the CIA, as I right, said Right, because he's just coming back with all these stories of, I killed this, and I killed that, and I did this, look at my beret. I have no muscle tone, but my tongue is great <laughs> for licking knees. Um, <clears throat> That's his full song? Yeah. Great, we're doing good. Um, so as this entire thing is unfolding, Stephanie starts to look worse and worse in the public eye. Um, no one looks great in this story. No, but she ends up getting a raw deal here. Um, Will gets 40 years, and Stephanie agrees to plead guilty to Chris's death so that she can avoid what in Texas? Well, if I know Texas, it's a death penalty. It sure is. It is the electric chair. The saying that she did it, she's the one who shot him. However, um, in the epilogue of the book, the author includes an interview with... Um, Stephanie, that basically has her going back on this version, even though she took the plea deal. She says that she definitely didn't shoot him. Will did that. Um, She's not guilty. And this whole thing was just so that she could avoid the death penalty. Okay. Well, what I've got her... And my surprises are coming up soon. But what I've got her in jail for is accessory to murder. Mm -hmm. And Will got a longer sentence, right? What I read was that he got 40 years and she got 50. I thought she only got 30. Who knows? Well, listen, I do. Okay. I didn't find a single news article. I didn't find a single blog post. I found one episode of Discovery ID that I fell asleep during. But what I did find was two separate pen pal inmate websites. Not one, but two. Two! Oh, hello! Okay, which one would you like first? Would you like prisoninmates.com or would you like meetaninmate.com? 
PrisonInmates.com. Yeah, pick your own poison. For $500, please. Okay, great. What would you like to learn about, Stephanie, other than we have the same birthday? You have the same birthday. Not the same year, but, I mean, Gemini makes a little bit of sense with everything I've heard. She is interested in hearing from both men and women who enjoy writing and getting to know someone on a friendship basis. I'm interested in that. Well, friendships and relationships are about sharing and being there for one another, loving and laughing. Do you want to know what her interests are? Is it, um, licking knees? It's not, that's well. Both in prison and before being incarcerated, her interests are music, sports, swimming, skiing, camping, traveling, cooking, movies, exercising, reading, and writing. Of course, many of these activities are not available to her now. Can't she just read and write? That's pretty much it. Um, she's still a believer in Jesus Christ. She enjoys, enjoys taking Bible studies when they are offered in prison and worship and special Christian services. Um, fun facts listed on this one. Also, uh, let's skip a fun fact for a second and talk about how her release date is 2020. That's next year. So she's incarcerated in 95. She only got 25 years. Both of us are wrong. Yeah, I was closer. Yeah, I mean, I'm an idiot. It's the Price is Right situation we both lost, though. (laughs) We're both over. I have... Listen, I've got a favorite TV show, a favorite book, and a favorite movie, none of which I've ever heard of. May I guess? Do you know what the TV show Extant is? Well, you gave it away and... No, no one does. You weren't going to guess it right. It was pointless. Um, can you tell me what her favorite quote might be? Carpe diem. It's, uh, not, but it is live, laugh, love. Who do you think, we know a little bit about Stephanie, who do you think her personal hero would be? Eleanor Roosevelt. It's Nelson Mandela. That's wrong. Yeah, that's what I thought. She killed someone. All right, we're moving on to meetaninmate.com. So on this profile, we get that she is a middle-aged adult. She still has a living, a lot of living to do once she gets out. Um, she likes the outdoors. She loves swimming, camping, traveling, cooking, music, dancing, and sports. Her life in prison has been much more limited. Um, she considers herself to be a loyal friend, down-to-earth compassionate, and all with a sense of humor. That's all I got. Well, I think those are pretty excellent facts, Jamanda. I'm into that for sure. Um, I guess what I will close us out on um, in terms of the actual story is that Busenberg maintains that Stephanie shot Chris. Does he maintain that he was in the CIA? No. He dropped that one. <laughs> he did drop that Great. one. He said that it was Stephanie's fault, basically, that he had told that lie. She was so beautiful and so enchanting, and he wanted to do anything he could to get close to her. Well, so her he's glamour shots were beautiful. Yeah, she's, she is beautiful. She's um, a very attractive woman. But he said that no girl like that would ever look at him, so he thought that he by... He is not wrong. Correct. So he thought that by concocting this myth, it could get her close to him, which it did. And then it was too late. Everything just spiraled. This is like a series of young idiots escalating over and over and over and just like overlapping each other in one upsmanship. Yep. It's awful. It is awful. And I, what is even more awful, and I'll share this tidbit with you, um, although both maintains the other is guilty, uh, the FBI actually investigated the case and that they think that neither of these versions, versions excuse me, are actually true. 
the FBI is convinced that there was extended torture um, that happened to Chris before his death because there were ligature marks found on the wrists of his body God. as well as an adhesive substance in his mouth as if his lips had been glued together so he couldn't scream it's in that close horrifying. Yeah, it is. And so with these two just going back and forth with each other, they're not actually admitting to anything and it's really fucked up. But it, I, I'm guessing like the truth lies somewhere in between all of their bullshit, right? And it's something that they're both probably so ashamed of because they got caught up in their insanity. Yeah, they did. And they got caught up in I mean, I don't say insanity lately. I meant like they got caught up in each other's lies and they got caught up in this like world that they had concocted for each other. Yeah, they got caught up in a story. I think that's what happens. Although, I don't know, I think the creation of that $5,700 check is so weird. Like, why lie about that from Will? From because you have to have a motive other than my girlfriend wanted to kill someone and I've been telling her that I've been killing for years. Or that's true. Or maybe there's some reason that Will wanted to kill Chris from, like, their youth, some, like, weird vendetta. That's a lot of conjecturing that we're doing, which is surprising. We only do it every episode. <laughs> we just love facts, nothing else. <laughs> we just love thinking that maybe we can solve it. We're the fact girls. Um, all right, well, so I think that we're going to close the book. Yeah, and I, I think the nice thing about me not having all of my bullshit to say other than, you know, those lovely interjections that I did was uh, we had time to think about the fact that this is a crime or murder book club. So there's a book involved and we should probably talk a little bit about that as a concept, right? Yeah, I think so. I guess we'll keep Victoria, it is this a book that you would recommend to people? Uh, no, I would not. Is it the adjectives? Is it the food descriptors? <laughs> is it the overuse of, uh, spaghetti sauce? <clears throat> the spaghetti sauce was an initial detractor that was in the first 10 pages. Um, but from there it, um, it just got better worse. It, everything oh. went downhill. It did a lot of moving around without any transitions. It was never clear where we were in time. And in addition to that, there was some like pretty decent judgment, I think seeping in from the, like you could feel it the author's felt a hand. little judgy, but I think overall I would give, if somebody forced me to write this book, I'd give it a one out of five stars. So we're saying that this podcast was enough torture to put yourself through. <laughs> I'm done. Don't um, continue. <laughs> but, I mean, with that said, Amanda, have you ever been in a book club? Mm, mm Not a single person has ever asked me to be in a book club. Yeah, I mean, neither. Do you think it's our sparkling personalities? I think it's our dingy personalities, but mm. yeah, huh? Mm. That's the same thing. <laughs> um, so we're trying to figure out how our rating system works and how this functions more as a book club. Clearly, we've got no experience, nor do we have any experience podcasting, so we're really winging this shit. We're actually three deep right now. How dare you? You're right. We're <laughs> professionals. I'm sorry. I forgot. Um, so I think with that said, uh, follow us on our Instagram. It's a lot of the same photo over and over again, but it's because I'm trying to keep a theme, guys. Which is something the authors that we read can't do. Just a titty glass and a good wine. What the fuck more do you need? I think that's perfectly fine. So with that said, may I officially close that book? Well, we didn't say what our Instagram handle is, so fuck you can't you. close that book yet. <laughs> fine, pull it back. <laughs> it is Murder She Red Pod. Follow us. 
Follow us on iTunes, wherever you can get podcasts. It's also on Anchor. It's on Spotify. It's on some other things that I'm not aware of. Stitcher. Stitcher. That's another one. Um, Rate, subscribe, review, all of those things. I don't know. Be nice, I guess. Or don't. Or be honest. We certainly are. You could, if you really want to like give it to us, just text it to me though. I, that'll hurt more, I promise. <laughs> when I know personally who it's coming from. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Seriously, we really appreciate it. This has been so much fun and we can't wait to keep doing it. And with that said, Amanda, can I officially. You can close, the fucking, close book. the fucking book on Wages of Sin by Susie Spencer. Actually, keep it open, reread it. No! <laughs> you can't make me.